0: Jesus did not have to worry about getting people's attention. If it wasn't the miracles he performed, it was the stories he told. We've been hearing a number of them as we work through the Gospel of Luke, including one today we call the unjust judge. But it could also be called the parable of the nudge. You know that word nudge? good Yiddish word. It's usually a widow who has no source of income, and people pay her to be a pest. (laughs) It's true. Jesus grabs our attention because the subject is so important. Prayer offers us a part in the managing of the world. God doesn't leave the running of it only to bankers and congressmen And presidents but bestows on us the ability to change things on every level as Archimedes who wrote up the laws of levers and pulleys and mechanical advantage observed centuries ago give me a spot to stand on and I can move the earth Jesus's story says the weak arms of a widow can move the world The widow knows that only one thing matters. There is only one man who can speak one word on her behalf that she needs to go to. She does not waste time knocking on many doors, but goes to the one that matters. She does not look for all sorts of ways out of her situation, but one way. She does not search out all sorts of gods or men, but goes straight to the one that matters the judge now which one of us does this who is that focused have you ever prayed a whole night through why not maybe you thought to spare God the boredom actor Dick Van Dyke used to tell the story of a little girl who was asked by her mother if she had said her nighttime prayers Yes, Mommy, but when I got down on my knees, I began thinking that God hears the same old stuff every night, so I told him the story of the three bears instead. Do we think that was rude? God doesn't seem to think so, if we believe this parable. Do we think God gets tired of hearing the same old thing? I suppose it would be rude were it not for Christ. Who would think God was interested in us, loved us, suffered for us, except for Christ? It would be monstrously presumptuous on our part to treat God the way that the widow treats the judge in the parable if it weren't that God had taken the initiative in his relationship with us by sending Christ. It would be monstrously presumptuous but as it is it is taking his invitation seriously and God is glad when we do since he knows we understand that he is more than a judge he is a father. He doesn't even want us to think of him as God without also thinking of him as father and a father responds to his children. As we heard before, if they ask him for bread, he's not about to give them a stone. And if they ask for an egg, he won't hand out scorpions. In chapter 11, Luke records another parable of our Lord with the same encouragement to persistence. We heard about it this summer. You may remember Jesus told of a friend who came to a man's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread because a friend of his had just arrived on a journey and there was nothing in the house to set before him. And the neighbor tried to put him off by saying, don't bother me, the door's now shut and the children are with me in bed. But the man outside wouldn't quit. And so as Jesus observed, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, his boldness, his nagging, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Importunity means being persistent to the point of nagging. In both parables, Jesus argued from the lesser to the greater. He doesn't liken God to these less than perfect people. He contrasts God with them. If the neighbor who was aroused at midnight and the judge who cared neither for God nor man, if these people would eventually give in to a persistent petitioner like this widow, won't the Heavenly Father be all the more likely to do the same? Especially since he doesn't regard our pleadings as a nuisance. After the parable of the neighbor pounding on the door at midnight, Jesus goes on to say, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. In the language Luke used to report Jesus' words, it actually reads, Keep on asking and it will be given you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. Well, what gets in the way of persistence? Are we discouraged? It is difficult persisting in the face of discouragement. Some of the new boxers on a school boxing team were good, and some were not so good. One of the latter, after trying hard for a couple of rounds, Asked the coach, have I done him, his opponent, have I done him any damage? Mm. No, said the disgusted coach, but keep on swinging. The draft might give him a cold. Far from discouraging sarcasm, Jesus wants us to persist. The real problem is probably less discouragement than it is doubt. It takes great courage to persist when God doesn't seem to answer, when the phone's ringing but nobody seems to be home. And there are plenty of people of unbelief out there who want nothing better than to gloat or over or encourage such doubts. Where is your God? The author of Psalm 42 pictures them saying. While crossing the Atlantic on an ocean liner, F.B. Meyer was asked to address the first-class passengers. At the captain's request, he spoke on answered prayer. That was his topic. An agnostic who was present at the service was asked by his friends, what did you think of Dr. Meyer's sermon? He answered, I didn't believe a word of it. That afternoon, Meyer went to speak to the steerage passengers. Many of the listeners at his morning address went along, including the agnostic, who claimed he just wanted to hear, quote, what the babbler had to say. Before starting for the service, the agnostic put two oranges in his pocket. And on his way, he passed an elderly woman sitting in her deck chair, fast asleep, and her hands were open. And in the spirit of fun, the agnostic put the two oranges in her outstretched palms. And after the meeting, he saw the old lady happily eating one of the pieces of fruit. "'You seem to be enjoying that orange,' he remarked with a smile. "'Yes, sir,' she replied. "'My father is very good to me.' "'Your father? Surely your father can't still be alive?' "'Praise God,' she replied. "'He's very much alive.' What do you mean, pressed the agnostic. She explained, I'll tell you, sir, I've been seasick for days. I was asking God somehow to send me an orange. I suppose I fell asleep while I was praying, and when I awoke, I found he had not only sent me one orange, but two. The agnostic was speechless. Later, he was converted to Christ. This widow was cut, apparently, from the same bolt of cloth as the one in the parable. But how many others give up with an anemic, thy will be done? Oh, well, God isn't going to do anything I want anyway. I'll just let him have his own way. I suppose he knows best. God apparently doesn't want the super piety of throwing his omniscience back in his face. Who says this too soon has failed to trust sure there is a point when you do stop pestering God because in the back of your mind you know you're asking the impossible you're asking what you know already is not his will Jesus reached that point in Gethsemane three times he prayed father let this cup pass but he knew that it couldn't, and it's shown by his ending words, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Paul reached that point when three times he prayed that God would remove the thorn in the flesh that was bothering him, no matter what that might have been. He received an answer from God. No, put up with it. It's good for you. But too often when we give up it's because we fail to trust. God sometimes wants us to wrestle with him like Jacob if we are to receive a blessing. But also like Jacob our name has been changed. In our baptism God's name was put upon us. We are his children now. He is our father. And yet, if we are to acquire the habit of going back to him, God is inevitably going to appear at times to us like the judge in the story. He will inevitably appear dark and hidden sometimes. But that's how faith grows. We are led to come back to him, to persist. And when finally the light breaks through, that persistence is rewarded and our behavior reinforced. He who prays, stays awake, and keeps a realistic sense of the proportions of life. And step by step, stage by stage, of growth changes. The Psychotherapist tells of a young woman who came to him depressed, listless, bored with her world. What could she do about it? They had several sessions together, but it didn't seem like they were getting anywhere. And one day, she came bouncing into her, his office. She was late for her appointment, but that didn't matter. She was so excited, she was ready to take on the whole world. It seems her car had died on her that morning. She was going to call and cancel her appointment, but just then she had a visitor. Her pastor stopped by for something and offered to drive her to the appointment. He did have to make a stop along the way, however. There was someone at the hospital he had to see, but that was okay with her. In fact, while he was making his call, she visited some people too that she knew, some elderly folks who were there in the same hospital. They talked for a while, she said, and then she read a psalm for them, and then they prayed together. It was so exciting. I haven't felt this good in years, she said. That's great, the psychiatrist told her. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we know what you can do to cope with your depression. But her face fell. You don't expect me to do this sort of thing every day, do you? And us? God, do you expect me to persist in what is so good for me? You know the answer. Of course, child, of course. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.